Welcome everyone back to Millennial Fam. This is your fourth episode where we are out looking for families doing it all. How are they doing it? And how can we all go out there and do it too? I'm Erin Beck, founder of WANA Family Network. We're a babysitting exchange where families trade babysitting back and forth for free. Um, so why do we have this podcast to begin with? It's about stories. Parenting every single day is about the stories that we are building with our family. Um, and how we will remember those and how we will pass those on. Um, sometimes you have these wonderful stories that you want to tell every single day and you never want a single one of them to end. Like the way that our daughter's new favorite thing to do every night before bed is to curl up in a great big blanket and be swung back and forth in a boat with every single stuffed animal that she owns. And then there's ones that you want to forget, like that time that I put a drop of hand sanitizer on my four-month-old and called poison control because I thought she had alcohol poisoning. You know, don't feel bad out there, parents, if you've done that. Uh, lesson learned, it's really fine. <laughs> um, and then there are the stories that you write in your own head so that you experience them and remember them in a certain way. Like, you know, those terrible twos. If you call them terrific twos, they're actually kind of terrific. We are here today with a master storyteller. We have Josh Funk here today. He is the artistic director at Second City Hollywood here in Los Angeles. Um, he's also an actor currently on tour and um, is also an Emmy-nominated composer. But the most important part about Josh and what brings him here today is this incredible family that he is raising while juggling all of this. So Josh, Thank you for being here. Thanks, Aaron. With us today. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, you're do you are you are really doing just everything. Give us give us a sense of the schedule that you're trying to balance right now. Yeah, it's it's not so right now. I'm um, I'm composing music for um, two different TV shows for the new Looney Tunes and and then for teachers on TV Land. So. You know, I'm turning around uh, like four episodes of Looney Tunes every two weeks, and then one episode of Teachers every week, and then um, and then on top of that, artistic director of Second City Hollywood, which is a blast, and then yeah, tour I tour with Jim Belushi around the country. So, like you know, we were gone for a week last week on the East Coast, and and we'll be gone again like every weekend next month, and uh, it's like it's like four jobs. It's it's nuts. And on top of that, your fifth job at home. Yeah. Tell us about uh, tell us about the kiddos. Yeah, so my wife and I, my wife is Naima Funk, and um, we have two beautiful kids, eight and four, Ziza and Moe's. And, um, you know, we uh, have just been, like, working it out here in Los Angeles. Life is just normal for them. You know, it's, it's so uh, wonderful to, to just see a child have no real memory other than the ones that you've had with them you know it's like you don't have anyone like that in your life until you have kids and you're like oh, i've been with you every step of the way i know where where you've been literally do you also know all of them do you think that's possible as a parent like inside and out inside and no out no way yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> especially now like the older ones he's a you know she's in second grade you know there's stuff that goes on at school that I have no idea about anymore. Like, at some point, 
you don't know where, where they've been. <laughs> I mean, I know where they've been, but I don't know where their mind has been, you know. And I, I certainly know, like, you can only do so much as a parent when it comes to, like, this is this is how I want you to behave and this is how I want you to treat other people. But then once those outside forces start coming in, you're, you, you know, you're one of many voices they're hearing. We just started our daughter in preschool. And as she walked down the hallway with Jose to go that very first day, I remember thinking, this is the first time where I will not know every moment of her story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ziza is coming home with Common Core homework for math and asking me for help. And I do not know how to help her. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is how I would do it, but this is clearly not how you're supposed to be doing it. And I don't know. You know, it's like they're already becoming individuals that you don't know things about them. And asking amazing questions, I'm sure. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. They get heavy, heavy questions. What are some of your favorites? Oh, <laughs> my list of favorites. <laughs> What's you know, your one favorite? Well, you know, like the big ones, like God, death, sex. Like they just, they'll throw down without really knowing the weight of these questions. It'll be as, it will be as simple a question as, you know, how do they make milk? To, you know, like, is there a God? Like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, let's get into it. All right, let's talk. <laughs> the, tough, the toughest one is always like, uh, are you going to die? You know, and, and you have to answer that question and, and be, you know, like, do you go like, no, I'm never going to die. Never. <laughs> I'm going to live forever, son. <laughs> Good night. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tried to say it as in, in the gentlest way possible, but as, you know, just sort of like we're all born, we all die, we're all on this planet for a short time with each other and and our the the game of life is to see how many friends you can make and how many things you can do while you're here That's and awesome. um you know and how many memories you can make and i think we i keep talking to them about you know like we have our a sign up in our house that's you know uh, memory makers 2018 you know and it's our like team but we are always like, all right, we're going to make a memory today. What's our memory going to be today? What are we going to do today that we'll remember forever? And always trying to have every day have one of those memories attached. So if anything should ever happen, or when it does, because it happens to all of us, then they have already the things in place that they need to hold on to. Yeah. The memories yeah, yeah, and yeah. the relationships. And the, Do you do your memory making? Do you set your goal at the beginning of the day or do you recap at the end of the day? We'll talk about it. We every night we'll do thank yous at the dinner table, and we'll go around the table, and everyone has to say something that they were thankful for today. And usually, in the course of that conversation of what we're thankful for, will lead to what was remarkable about today, or what was the thing that happened today that was remarkable. And do you write it down? No, no. Maybe maybe we should. We write things up on. We have all these like chalkboards up so like whenever we have a good idea or someone has something that they came up with like Moe's our five-year-old wrote that over there see it says go be different but he wrote it in uh, phonetic you know like the I don't know what they call it 
when, when preschoolers write. Go bed, F it. Go be different. But that's his, you know, he, he came up with like, hey, I, this is what I want today. Go be different. Well, and if you guys could only see what we're surrounded with by now, every wall is memories and photos and art. Yeah, everything's original. We wanted to make sure that everything on the wall, well, except for that thing. <laughs> but everything is pretty much handmade, original artwork. By you guys? By, by family? Us. By, by us and by friends. Yeah, and by family. Who's the painter? Oh, Naima loves it the most, and then we it, it trickles down into all of us. But the kids, like Ziza most, they'll just paint for hours and hours and hours. They just love it. They love being creative. Probably because they see us being creative all the time. I mean, it's got to be weird growing up the children of two artists, uh, you know. Like, they don't know what... It, they don't know what a non-creative house would be like, you know. Did you have that goal, having kids? I want to be this kind of person so that I can show this kind of me, this kind of drive, this kind of career, this kind of... Is there anything that you groomed about yourself to show off as a parent? You know, I don't, I don't know if I ever did anything with that intent. For the most part in my life, I don't think much. <laughs> it's just, I try not. To, I don't know. It's not even purposeful. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I. I don't know. I've been a very um, impulsive person and one that acts quickly without thinking it through. <laughs> And so I think everything in my life is a result of that, where there was no grand design to how I ended up being a, you know, 44-year-old man. Uh, I surprised myself that I'm where I am because I did not have a clear goal, you know? It wasn't like... I had so many little... Honestly, what happened to me was I had... I have had very huge goals in my life, and then I just kept achieving them. And every time you achieve this like lifelong goal, you go, oh, well, now what? Like my, my first one was to be in Second City. I always wanted to be in Second City. I grew up watching it in Chicago went as a kid and in high school, and I got hired to Second City when I was 20 years old. So my lifelong goal had been achieved at age 20. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, what do I want to do next? I want to be in a rock band. I want to tour around the country in a rock band. So I formed a band and we ended up within three years touring around the country. And then I had achieved my goal. And then I was like, I want to make my own movie and write it. And I did that with the band. And then I was like, I want to direct for Second City in Chicago and got that and did that. And then you know, it's just it's it's just my life has been a series of setting goals and small goals and accomplishing them and just kind of thinking not too far down the line, not thinking like where does this ultimately go? Cuz I still don't know where it ultimately goes. I have no idea where I'm going in my life. It's just unfolding in front of me, you know, in small little increments, small little steps. When you got married, when you had kids. You know that the getting married and the kids was just like a, you know, honestly, the, the, the main, I loved Naima. I loved Naima when we got married and when I asked her to marry me, but 
we did not get married because it was something that we wanted to do. It was something that we just needed to do to stay together and do what we wanted to do together because we wanted to move to Chicago and we wanted to travel the world and go to New York. And so it was just, it it just made sense for us to get married. It was very like, we should get married. It wasn't like, I, I wasn't like a big proposal and a hidden ring and like the, like this thing. It was like a conversation where we literally was like, you want to get married? Should we get married? Yeah, let's get married. Okay, let's do it. We should go get a ring. I, I should go get you a ring. <laughs> you know, like that was the second thought. And then it was the same thing with the kids. Like with 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 children, it was it was a honestly the thing that kicked us in the ass was a near death experience. We were in we were in China on tour. Me and Naima were doing a comedy tour in China, and she had this very serious allergic reaction and was in like this Hong Kong hospital and like clinging to life and it was super intense experience (laughs) and then uh we you know I just remember in that moment of being like I can't I can't lose you and not have any part of you left you know like it's it, it was like we have to have children we have to we have to take our love and turn it into something because the thought of losing you right now and being alone is devastating to me. And so that was really the thing that like we were like, it was so easy to have kids after that. Mm-hmm. It was like, yes, we're having children. I don't care what it means or what it's going to take or what, how much it's going to cost. I wasn't, we weren't thinking about any of that stuff. We were just thinking life and death. We were just thinking like, Let's reproduce. <laughs> it was so primal, <laughs> you know? And that's what I mean. Like, the big decisions in life, sometimes you're not, there's no logic behind them. It's just like you do it. You've got you do it. it, and it happens, and you're like, now the frontal lobe will go like, <laughs> what did we just do? All right, time for me to take over and clean up this mess. Well, of course, now the frontal lobe is, is I think we need to have more. You Same obviously thing. went it for just this. happened. You know, it just happened. A lot of the people who are listening to Millennial Fam are brand new parents who are just having their first kid and now getting back to work and going, how could I have another one? Yeah, I think to me, it it's so weird. You know, someone once told me the phrase, babies bring bread. And the, the saying is, you have a baby, they you will find ways to make money. You will end up making money to support that baby. And it's so true because it lights, as you know, the biggest fire under you that you've ever had lit under you having a child. And then you have that second child that lights another fire. And I think that, you know, if I could, I would have a dozen babies. I mean, I would lo- I would just have as many as I possibly could. That would be amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, two is, to me, great. Uh, three would be great, but we're done. We're, we're che- <laughs> we're, we've we've checked out of the game, but um, yeah, you don't have to think about how you're going to take care of it because you will. Had we had one child, she was pregnant with the second. I had a great job, and I got laid off from my job when she was four months pregnant with our second child, and she was on bed rest. <clears throat> she was in the hospital, and I was going to lose my job and lose my insurance. And that was like the that was the deepest, darkest pit I've ever been in in my life. Um, and uh, 
my friend, my best friend, sat me down and said, hey, you have always been fine. That is not going to change now. You've always gotten through somehow. No matter what life is thrown at you, you will do it again. And I came out the other side of that hell pit that I was in and came out bigger and better and than I ever was before that. Because that the stress of that made me do something special. You know, and I had just been nominated for an Emmy. So I'm like paying for rent on a credit card. Then I got the call from Warner Brothers that they were looking for somebody to be the composer for the new Looney Tunes. And that, you know, because I had gotten nominated for the Emmy, they had included me on the submission process. And so they sent me a five and a half minute cartoon and they said, you have one week to compose the music for this five and a half minute cartoon. I was going up against like 50 to 60 of the city's, this industry's best cartoon composers. And I've never composed for a cartoon before, but I was like at rock bottom. So I put all my energy into it. I sat and worked on that thing for 12 hours a day for seven days straight to make it the perfect cartoon with music that it could possibly be. And then found out six months later that I got the gig. You know, like, what? <laughs> I'm not that good, but all right, I guess I am that good. But the, what made me, what pushed me to that next level was the that hole of darkness that I was in and going like, uh-uh, I got a wife, I got a kid, I got another kid on the way. I, I have to find a way to make some money and turn this around and support them. And, and it happened. But holy shit, that was scary. Whew. How yeah. do you balance? How do you balance the time at work and the time at home? I moved my stuff home. <laughs> That's really what ended up having to happen because I was not spending enough time with my family. I was, it was extremely unbalanced. Um, I was basically seeing the kids for a hurried 45 minutes in the morning, getting them ready for school, getting them out the door, taking them to school, dropping them off. So I wouldn't even call that quality time. I would call that like, you know, morning, like, come on, come on, let's go. Get your stuff, come on, let's get out the door, get your lunch, you got your lunch, get your thing, you know, what do you want, brush your teeth. And then rushing home at the end of the day to see them for like the last half hour before they go to bed, at which they're tired, they're, you know, crazy and like not really making sense. They're, they need to go to bed. And and then my wife being, Naima, being completely exhausted, like just run through the mill with these kids all day long. So the moment they go to bed, she passes out. And then I'm like home in this empty apartment going like, uh, what did I do all this work for? Like, what am I doing? And that was about five years of that, you know? of just um, not uh, no balance but now I've moved my studio my into the my bedroom <laughs> it's so glamorous <laughs> and it's tough the challenge is you know uh, just to establish barriers and boundaries and that way I'm allowed to I can take them to school I can pick them up from school I can go down to the school with them when they have their special events like their fun runs or their fitness days or whatever 
And then, you know, even like take them out for ice cream after school and do some stuff and then come back here and work, put them to bed and then continue to work till like midnight. So uh, it's just, you know, there's no question like I'm working 80 to 90 hours a week and like the family is kind of intermingled in that. But uh, you know how this, this town is like... It's so hard to turn down work when you're getting it because you know that it comes and goes. And so you just keep piling it on until you just can't take it anymore. What do they see? They definitely see mom and dad uh, working hard but having fun. I'm hoping that one day I will be able to just uh, not to be able to say no to things and be financially stable enough to be able to go like, you know what, I'm not going to work for the next six months. I'm going to go with my family on a summer vacation for, you know, do something. But right now, we're still a four-person family in a two-bedroom apartment. And we are busting at the seams. And this cannot sustain. I never thought that I would be this successful in my career, this old, and still not be able to move into a house. Because Jose and I both come from suburban backgrounds where we grew up in a house with a yard and... What it means to be a successful person, couple, family. Because Jose and I both come from suburban backgrounds where we grew up in a house with a yard and... Right before he and I got married, we were walking through my neighborhood and he's like, man, you know, someday we'll have a house like this. And I said, well, but what if we don't? Do we have to? He goes, well, I guess not. And now we're in this tiny one-bedroom apartment. We're raising a two-year-old and two cats and redefining what success means and what brackets you're hitting at certain ages is, is definitely something that, that we've had to, to realign ourselves on. Yes, and that's smart. That's because we always have to remember the world has changed since we were kids. My, my, my parents were public school teachers in Chicago, you know. They would never ever be able to afford a house in Los Angeles this, today. We are we have been dealt a hand our our generation. I mean I know we're different kind of generations in a way but not really. We're still living in the same world right now and we have to redefine the rules of what is normal and stop trying to convince ourselves that we've got to we've got to live this type of lifestyle. It's not possible out here. What's the number one thing that makes that okay yeah I think it's just inner it's inner peace it's it's you know looking that looking looking at life the where happiness is inside and not outside you know and that once you put that priority on on your spirituality and and what 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 you define to be true happiness um, you can achieve that without any any external things but that's like you know it took me a long time to get there a lot of learning a lot of studying a lot of enlightenment a lot of traveling a lot of changing my mind on things you, you know the perfect example of how my life has been is that i was born being not believing in god and not believing in religion i was just neutral and then as i grew up i, I was taught to believe in religion but not necessarily god yet i didn't believe in god yet then as i got older i would i believed in religion and god 
you know, and I got almost, I almost turned, joined the brotherhood, you know, Christian brotherhood, you know, because I was so into religion and God. And then when I went to college, I stopped uh, believing in religion and believed in just God. Like, I'm agnostic. I don't believe in organized religion. And then as I got older, I stopped believing in God and religion. And I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of this stuff anymore. And now that I got a little bit older, I started to believe in religion but not God. You know, and I understand that, like, no, there are benefits to religion and organized, like, community getting together and praying is a good thing. Even though I don't believe in God, I believe that there's a good thing there. So it's like... And that's kind of where I am now, where I'm like, I believe in religion, but I don't believe in God. And what a crazy path it took to get to this point. And I'm probably not done yet. I probably <laughs> have another bunch of philosophies I'm going to stumble on in my life. But I think like, if, if you treat your whole life like that, like everything I believe in can change at any point based on my experiences and the people I meet and the things that I'm exposed to, you can truly become enlightened and grow where when people just get taught one thing and they're like that that's it that is what i believe in and i will never think differently <laughs> <laughs> you those are the people that become very unhappy in life you know because you have to redefine you have to redefine life to be truly happy do you tell your kids the things you believe yeah i'm very honest with them are they like you? Ziza will say, got it, anytime you tell her to do something. Like, hey, Ziza, time to brush teeth, got it. And, you know, I was like, where did she get that from? And then all of a sudden, I am become self-aware, like, wait, I say that all the time. I say that to everyone I talk to. Got it, got it. And I'm like, oh, that's from me. So you, you become very, like, self-aware at times, like, oh, I didn't realize I do that. Uh, but... You know, like, I, I, I think from the get-go, you know, Naima and I have been very clear about, like, making sure that we let our kids know that they're not part of us. They're not, they, they didn't come, they, we may have given birth to them and we are their parents, but they are not half me and half Naima. They are, they are individuals and, and that are unique to themselves. And they're brought into this universe our job, me and Naima, is to just teach them how to be human beings and then to set them free. So that's where our philosophy is on that. Life is so much easier when we can both be here and do this together. And and we, from the get-go, did not want to do nannies or did not want to do babysitters as much. I mean, if we do babysitters so that we can go out and do dates and stuff like that. But we've been doing it raising our kids all on our own and our parents aren't on here we don't have family out here so we have no familial support uh so that makes it extremely challenging and finding a way to keep you know naeem and i's marriage a priority becomes the biggest challenge because you become instead of a married couple you become parents you know, and parents are different than a married couple. <laughs> you know, it's a totally different occupation. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, I mean, that that's the hard part is losing sight of that because you you suddenly, you know, in, in all theory, like my friend likes to say, your, your spouse must always be your number one priority. 
and then the kids second and third and fourth and whatever. And I'm like, that's great in theory, but my wife can wipe her own ass, you know, <laughs> and my kids cannot. So she suddenly takes a lower priority in that department. They also can't feed themselves. So she takes a lower priority in that department. They can't put themselves to bed. They can't bathe themselves. They can't do their homework on their own. They can't, you know, oh, they can't wash their laundry. They can't do it, you know, like, so really now I get that your spouse is supposed to be your number one priority, but you, you know, you've, you, you've got to find a different, you know, uh, it's, it's the balance is just hard. <laughs> what can you not do without her? Oh, uh, I, I can't do a lot without her. I mean, I certainly, I certainly can't get a day of work done, you know, without her. I, um, I, I can, play with the, the kids all day but I can't go through an entire day with the kids without needing a break or needing relief or needing to talk to another human being or another adult or her the kids certainly can't get through a day without needing their mommy at some point you know like when she, she'll go away for two or three days for something and the kids you know are every night will be like I, I miss mommy I want mommy and it's like I know I miss her too I want her too but she's you know working she's on the road and daddy's here tonight so yeah what can she not do without you um I think you know pretty much the same I mean she she does it she, I mean, I, I've been on the road for over a week, several times since we've had two kids. So I was in, when I was making um, King Kong in Hawaii, I was there for a month and a half. And she was here with the kids by herself for the, for a month and a half. Wow. And her, you know, her brother came out and helped out a little bit. She had babysitters come help out a little bit. But so honestly, she can do it all without me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, except have, except hold down a job. I mean, I think that you know, if she had to, if she was going to get a job, she we would have to get a nanny. We would. There's just nothing we could do. Is she? Did she plan ahead of time to pull back on the work she was doing? No, we she... didn't plan on any of that. I mean, we we didn't. We I thought, well, once we have our kid, we can. She can go back to work, and we can trade off, and you know, da, da, no. That did not happen, you know. Life changes remarkably when you have a child. And I think, like, well, someone once told me, they're like, are you, you know, someone was like, are you nervous about getting married? Or what, 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 is it more nerve-wracking getting married or having a child? And they're like, getting married is nothing. Like, getting married is not life-changing at all. Having a kid changes your life forever. The marriage thing, it, like it, it's such small potatoes when you look back at it, and you go like, "Eh, I guess getting married wasn't really that big of a deal." I mean, we would have been together anyway, whether we were married or not. We'd still be in love and living together. That didn't change much, but bringing a new life into the world that rocked everything. The best advice that I got while I was pregnant had nothing to do with being pregnant. Mm -hmm. It was we had um, 
this incredible doula come to our home, Rachel Lashinsky. She teaches over at My Yoga. She teaches prenatal yoga. Uh, I said, would you come and help us prepare as a couple for the birth of our child so that we can go through, at least to start, the labor process together? And she taught him to be my labor support. And the most important thing that she said when she came that day is she said, I want you to think of like the most special date you could ever have. And when you go into labor, have it. So whatever else is going on, right? However you feel, however much packing you still have left to do, have your date. This is the last date that you will ever have as just the two of you before you become, as an entity, something totally different. This is a magical day for you. Love it, celebrate it, embrace it, and never forget it. And so every year on her birthday, we celebrate our last date. But you as as a couple are a different person. What do you love about that new person that you are now that you've got the kids in your life? I mean, I think that you, I think that when when you have kids, well, at least when I had kids and Naima had kids for the first time, it, it's truly the first time in your life that you understand what it's like to be selfless. You know, you really don't know, like you live your whole life selfish pretty much until you have kids. You're never really living for somebody else until that moment and so to see Naima's selflessness it just you know makes me melt you know with love because she has given up she's made so many sacrifices to be a mom and being a mom is a lot different than being a dad um, because you have to carry the child for nine months you know, physically inside of your body and make that connection that that connection between the mother and the child is so strong and so much different than the connection between the father and the child. And I think that it, even though the connection is terrific between the, a father and a child, it's just different. There's just a difference. And uh, so when, 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 a, when your wife, the woman you love, the, the sexual being, this object of your desire, suddenly turns into a mom, it's just beautiful to see because it's like a, it's a true transformation of, of womanhood. I just love seeing that change. I love seeing us grow old together and become, you know, in her her 40s with kids that are about to be teenagers you know like this is cool it's just really cool to see and you know when you've been with somebody that long you just you go like god we were together when we were in our i mean we're we're married for almost 18 years now so you know we went to college together i've known her since she was 17 um and to know someone that long and to see them change over the years it's different than just being married. It's like we're sharing this planet together, this life together. Um, and through all its ups and downs, you know, like you t- I tell you what, like your marriage has never been tested until you've had kids. You, marriage is easy until you have kids. <laughs> 
And then when you have the second kid, the dynamic, it's just like improv. Like improv is easy when it's a two person scene, but you bring that third person into an improv scene, it gets really difficult. And then you bring a fourth person in, it becomes almost impossible. You have to listen so hard to everybody in that scene to make it work. You cannot phone it in. And that's how life is with family. The more people you bring in, the more you have to listen, the more you have to be one, a fraction of the energy in the room. And, and uh, the marriage really gets put to the test. But as long as you stay connected and you communicate, and you work out the problems, and you and you both always have that, you know, bigger picture in your head of like, you know, what do we do? We're doing the impossible. We're raising a family in Los Angeles as artists, as creative people. Like this is nuts. Who does this? <laughs> Who is crazy enough to do this? We are. So. Let's pat ourselves on the back one more night, go to bed and do it again tomorrow. You know, you know how it is. I am going to be on a high for the rest of my day just after having this conversation. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so if there's something out there you've been thinking about, what are all the things that you could change your mind to? What are all the different ways you can change the way you think, twist the way you're working something out to get everything? You just stick with it and don't stop. Thank you, Josh Funk. We will be back with some outright inspiring families for Millennial Fam. We will see you out there. Have a great time. Bye.